You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning, church. My name is Riley Unterbug. I'm a student here at The Village. Um, I'm a part of the student leadership team and a part of the worship academy, and I'm so blessed to get to read God's word for you guys this morning. This is James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Job, Riley. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. Great. Someone is great. That's awesome. Uh, my name is Sam Van Skoik. I serve here as our student director, so of our middle school and high school ministries, and uh, it's just a position I'm really grateful to be in. Uh, if you're not in student ministry spaces regularly, you need to know we have some really incredible students here at the Village Church, like who walk with Jesus with, with sincerity and with depth. And it is not uncommon for me to be talking about students and I'll be saying like, I feel like they're more mature than I am. And some of you are thinking like, you probably need to set your bar higher than that. And you're right. So, uh, but I really am grateful. I'm grateful to be uh, in this role, grateful to walk alongside uh, your students in this season of their life. And I'm grateful to be here this morning. I, I plan on preaching on, on something that I feel like the Lord has been working in me Lately, and uh, anytime I get to preach, I really just want to open up whatever the Lord is uh, doing in me. And uh, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this opportunity. And um, another thing that you that you need to know about me is um, that my wife Anno is a first grade teacher. So shout out to all you teachers everywhere. Okay, I see you. I see you. I know it's a hustle. I know it's a hustle. Uh, so one thing we have a lot of in our home is children's books. And uh, anytime we are on a date and we stop by a bookstore, I can guarantee that without fail, Anno is going to head straight to the children's book section before anything else. It is in her DNA as a first grade teacher, right? She loves children's books. And a while back, one of her, one of her books caught my attention. It is called Waiting is Not Easy by Mo Willems. And what do you know? I even have a copy here with me right here. <laughs> Uh, pictures up on the screen for you too. It is, uh, it's a catchy title. It is a fun story and, and spoiler alert, I'm, I'm about to totally ruin this book's plot line. So if this is in your Amazon cart, I apologize. Uh, but this book, like a lot of Mo Willems books, are about an interaction between an elephant named Gerald and a pig named Piggy. And Piggy comes to Gerald at the beginning of the book and says, hey, Gerald, I have a surprise for you. Well, Gerald is flattered. He is so giddy that someone would have a surprise for him. And uh, but Piggy says, uh, here's the thing. I, I can't give it to you right now. Well, thus begins the crucial plot point of the book. As Gerald is waiting for this surprise, he discovers waiting is not easy. 
So the whole book is this interaction between Piggy and Gerald and, and Gerald saying, Piggy, is it ready now? How about now? Come on. Is your surprise ready now? I'm waiting so long. Is it ready now? In time, in time again, Piggy answers, no, just keep waiting. Throughout the books, the, the, page, the pages are initially white, white background, but they, they start to get darker shades of gray to where at the end, the pages are black because it's nighttime. It's nighttime out. They've waited all day long. The surprise that Piggy had for Gerald was the beautiful night sky. Laid in with countless stars. Yeah, aw, right? <laughs> Gerald, who has never seen the night sky before, loves this surprise. And the book ends with the two friends looking up at the big night sky. Pretty simple, right? Illustrations are good. The story has lots of humor in it. The, the message is so simple. Waiting is not easy. And, and yeah, this is my favorite thing. Right here, it's got like this little silver medallion on the cover here. Uh, it essentially won like the Pulitzer Prize for children's books. Uh, it's like all the adults reading this went, oh man, isn't that the truth? I'm going to get a copy for each of my kids. Like, here you go. Go and sin no more, right? Don't ask me, are we there yet, right? Waiting is not easy. Uh, but in all seriousness, what I think this book and its award shows is that waiting, that patience is hard. We know we're supposed to be patient people. But if we're honest, it's something that's hard. If you think it's not, just go outside and drive behind someone going 15 miles an hour under the speed limit and tell me patience is not hard. Uh, one time I was teaching on patience in Kids Village, and I was like, raise your hand if you go to Six Flags to wait in all the lines. Like, that's your favorite part. They're all raising their hand. Like, I love the lines. I'm like, you're all liars. Next week, we're going to talk about lying. This week, we got to finish talking about patience, right? Uh, Disney World. No one goes to Disney World to wait in the lines. You go to Disney World to get fast passes, right? They, ha they have monetized our impatience. It's brilliant. Uh, it's hard to wait. It, it is hard to wait. And some of us right now are in a season where we are waiting on God. For the past few weeks, months, maybe years, you've been praying for something to change. There is a situation at work. There is a situation at home. You're praying for something to be healed. Uh, there is something in your life where you are waiting for God to change what only he can. Even though you're in the right now, you keep thinking about and fixating on the what's next. You want so badly for something to be different, for something to change. Uh, th this season of life you're in right now is taking everything out of you and you can't wait for the next one. You're praying, you're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking, and you're waiting. You're waiting. What do we do when God says wait? In your Bibles, meet me in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We're just going to walk through this together this morning. James 5, 7 through 11. I'm going to read the first two verses of our passage. 
Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, Well, in case there was any confusion about the point of the passage or the point of my sermon, look no further than the first two words. Be patient. Be patient. James has no interest in beating around the bush. He is going to shoot us straight. He opened up his letter talking about how how he knows the people he's writing to are suffering trials of various kinds. You know what kind of trial is a trial of various kinds? All of them, right? (laughs) Trials of, if you are going through a trial of a various kind right now, James is writing to you. And as, as he is finishing up his letter, his pastoral instincts kick in, and he is imploring us to be patient. To be patient. And he says to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Which is significant. He didn't say, be patient until your trial ends. He didn't say, uh, just keep being patient until God finally gives you what you want. No. Be patient until Jesus comes back, because only when Jesus returns will you no longer be waiting. Uh, You know, I I first preached this passage in, in a season of my life where I was waiting on God, in that transition from being a full-time student to a full-time vocational minister. And this, this passage and this message resonated with me really deeply then. And that was almost four years ago. And you know what? Uh, there's other things I'm waiting on God for now. My prayer requests are different. I'm, I'm waiting on different answers. Uh, My life circumstances have changed, and and there's something else I'm petitioning God for, something else I'm waiting on. Uh, This was a brain blast to a 28-year-old like me, but I've discovered that life is not one big trial in my 20s or 30s, followed by decades of bliss thereafter, right? Uh, Life is a series of intensified repetitions, seasons of waiting on, petitioning God again and again to do what only he can. Your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s have seasons of waiting where you are waiting on God to do something only he can. Verse seven, James uses the image of a patient farmer, patient farmer to describe how we should be Waiting, uh, just as the farmer waits for the precious fruits, day in and day out, rainy season and dry season, so you too are to be patient. I love how James describes the farmer here. Did you catch it? Uh, he, he says the farmer waits for the fruit of the earth, being patient about it. Meaning, there's no farmer out there, right? Kicking his crops, and discuss that they're not growing faster, right? That would be absurd. Uh, Farmers, more than most people, understand that the world doesn't run according to their timing. Uh, They wait patiently through early and late rains. Why? Because the farmer knows 
there comes a point where he's done everything he can. And he steps back and he waits patiently. Uh, I think the flip side of this example of the farmer is that there's a kind of waiting that isn't patient. You with me there? It, It is possible for you to be in a season of waiting on God and kicking crops. Like an impatient farmer. Uh, So the question that our passage is asking us this morning is not, are you waiting? It's, how are you waiting? How are you waiting? We all have trials. We all got our stuff. We're waiting on the Lord on. But how are we waiting? How are you waiting? So verse 7 asks us how we're waiting, but verse 8 tells us what we're waiting for. In case the point wasn't clear, he kind of repeats himself. James says, be patient. Establish your hearts. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, The word here in the original language for that phrase, at hand, it's the exact same word, exact same tense form that Jesus uses in the Gospels when he shows up and says that the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of God is near. Uh, It's a word that's meant to communicate a heightened intensity, right? It's like James is highlighting this for us, Uh, which is important because when we read that the coming of the Lord is near, when when we read that in 2023, we go, ah, maybe. It's harder for us to feel the intensity that it had in its first century. But do you know, Jesus in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, repeats himself three times. He says, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Surely, I'm coming soon. This is what James is highlighting. Jesus really is coming soon. This past summer, a really unusual thing happened on a flight from Oklahoma City to Charlotte, North Carolina. When a man named Phil boarded this flight, this is true, you can Google it. Uh, And Phil did as you do, right? He he scans his boarding pass, walks onto the plane, gets his bags all stowed away, sits down. When he sits down, he realizes something. He's the only passenger on the plane. And no one else is coming. Uh, you can Google it. Here's a picture of Phil. I'll, I'll save you the Google. Here's a picture of Phil with the flight attendants from his flight. Uh, this flight that Phil had boarded was scheduled to take off 18 hours earlier. And every single passenger, except for Phil, had canceled or switched their ticket. I mean, wouldn't we all do this, right? I mean, we get notified that our flight's been delayed a few hours. And then a few more hours, and then a few more hours. We are all on that app, right? Trying to switch that around, right? We're trying to switch our ticket. If we're in special, especially ambitious or we're desperate, we're just renting a car and driving, right? We ain't putting up with this. Uh, because when you experience delay after delay after delay, you start to think this plane is never taking off. I'm going to take this into my own hands. But this wasn't Phil's approach. 
Phil took the airline up on their offer for a hotel and just came back to the airport the next day. So everyone else is frantically, impatiently switching their tickets. Phil's kicking it at the La Quinta down the street, right? Just soaking it all in. Uh, I picture him like, like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 2, right? There's like the guy scooping the, uh, like the massive Sunday, and he's laying on the bed, right, asking for extra ice cream. Uh, Phil, right, he takes it up. He, he, he gets something that the other passengers didn't. The plane really is coming. There's a seat for me. I'll get where I'm supposed to go. I might as well enjoy the wait. Jesus really is coming. And he's coming to take you home. But unlike the plane, his coming is not delayed. He is right on time. Jesus really is coming. This is my first point. When God says wait, patience is a priority. When God says wait, patience is a priority because Jesus really is coming soon. Uh, and there's something about Jesus' return that, that orients us to God's timing and not our own. Uh, Jesus' soon-to-be return reminds us that our true, our final hope is not in a trial ending, but in Jesus returning. Uh, I, I know you're eager for what's next. I know you're ready for a new season, but your hope is not in a circumstance changing. Your hope is in your Savior returning to take you home. When God says wait, patience is a priority because Jesus really is coming soon. Let's finish our passage, verses 9 through 11. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Uh, at, at first glance, uh, verse 9 might seem a little misplaced, right? Like James is talking about patience, being patient, waiting on the Lord, and then all of a sudden he's saying, by the way, don't grumble. Uh, but what he has given us insight into is that if you aren't careful to cultivate patience, as you wait on God, you are in danger of becoming susceptible to grumbling. Y'all know grumbling? That good churchy word? Uh, gr grumbling is complaining with zest. Uh, grumbling, grumbling is whining with bitterness. Uh, He's saying, do you know what can happen when you're waiting for something that, that doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen? Do you know what you're prone to when you're waiting for something that's, that, that's unseen, that's unrealized? You're prone to talk badly about other people and other situations. To give yourself over to gossip and slander. 
Uh, if y'all don't believe me, t- tell an airplane full of people. Get an airplane full of people, all their bags tucked away and everything. Get them on the runway, ready to take off, and then make an announcement that they're unable to take off for four hours. <laughs> and just see if anyone starts grumbling against the flight attendants or the airline, right? Just see if it happens. And, and hey, y'all, if there is one sin God's people in the Bible have a knack for, it is grumbling. You laugh. I'm about to come by your neighborhood, though. Uh, you know that's why Israel had to wander 40 years in the desert, right? Was grumbling. Wandering for four decades in the desert wasn't plan A. Uh, God did that in judgment because Israel was grumbling against their elders. Even more, all, this, all the severe acts of judgment that happen in the wilderness, Korah, Korah, his rebellion, his whole family, right? The earth opens up, swallows them. All that happens because they were grumbling against Moses and his leadership and God's supposed lack of care. So James is on to something here because it is easier to complain than it is to cultivate patience. It is easier to complain than it is to cultivate endurance. It's easier to complain than it is to cultivate hope. It's easier to complain than to have your character worked on. When you're waiting on God, when the timeline to what's next keeps being stretched out further on you, when you're not seeing the change you're waiting for, his charge to us is to not grumble. I, I know you've had to wait a long time. But don't let impatience seduce you into grumbling. Impatience wants to seduce you into fixating on only what's wrong. Or to fixate on someone who is wrong. And, and like poison, your impatience can infect more and more people to grumble with you. Grumbling is a poison. In verse 10, we're told to look to the prophets. So, right, James has given us the negative. He's telling us what not to do. He's saying, don't grumble. And then he's, he's giving us the positive now. He's saying, if you want to know what to do, look to the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, James is saying, you want to know what patience looks like? You want to see what it's like to faithfully wait on the Lord? Look at the prophets. Uh, prophet, prophets is a really broad term used in scripture. It, it can describe more than just Malachi, right? The book we just finished or Jeremiah. Uh, in the Bible, Moses is a prophet. David is a prophet. Uh, both of them speak in the name of the Lord to the Lord's people. Uh, the next verse even talks about Job. Job is a prophet, apparently. Uh, so anyone who spoke in the name of the Lord to the Lord's people is a prophet. So if you want to talk about the prophets exemplifying patience and waiting on God, it's like, just pick one. Uh, Joseph. Joseph is given these dreams as a kid about how his brothers are going to serve him and how he's going to save all these people and he's going to be great. He's going to be God's instrument. And then he gets sold into Egypt, accused of a crime he didn't commit and spends years in prison before any of those dreams become reality. How many sleepless nights did he have in prison wondering, did God really promise me that? 
Moses, before he turns the Nile to blood, before he parts the Red Sea, before manna comes from heaven, he spends 40 years, day in, day out, working for his father-in-law as a shepherd. Before Moses does any of the cool stuff that he's known for in the Bible, he is a shepherd for 40 years, employed by his father-in-law. David, let's talk about David. David was anointed as a teenager to rule over Israel, then spends years of his life running from Saul, who was demonically set on killing him. All of these prophets and more are examples that that just because God has promised you something, just because God has something good in store for you, doesn't mean it comes right away. The pattern of Scripture teaches us that it is God's habit. It is his pattern to use prolonged periods of waiting to refine his people. (laughs) This is so good. I I heard a preacher one time say that if you were to walk around God's kitchen, you would find no microwaves. Only crockpots. You laugh. Some of y'all are in the crock pot right now. God wants your faith slow cooked, not microwaved like some frozen meal. Some, some of y'all are smart. Some of y'all are asking, how about an instant pot situation, like an in-between, right? No, just crock pots. Four hours, high heat. Uh, this is God's pattern. This is his habit, to put his people in the crock pot. Even though you prioritize what's next, God prioritizes you to be a certain kind of person because God has to work on you first before he brings you to what he has for you. Otherwise, your gifting and your talent is going to bring you to a platform that your character cannot support. God knows you're eager to get where you want to go. But he's got some work to do first. So don't confuse you waiting on God for God not working on you. If you're like me, you probably read verse 11 and went, Job? (laughs) Really? Of all the examples, right, of faithfulness in the Old Testament, you're going to choose the guy who tried to rebuke God? Y'all know that, right? Job has everything. Job has uh, a very blessed life. God takes pretty much all his possessions, all of his children away. And at, he, he holds on for a while, he worships God, but then a few chapters later, right, a few friends get to his head and he, he starts to accuse God of wrong. And then God spends four chapters, you know this, four chapters in the book of Job are God rebuking Job. Job tries to rebuke God with a sentence and God spends four chapters rebuking him. Uh, But really, it's encouraging though, right? Job is a perfect example, an encouraging one, because he was honest with God and God was clearly forming him in his whole time. Another reason why Job is a perfect example uh, is because James says, if you have heard, if you have heard of Job, if you have heard the story of Job, you have seen the purpose of the Lord. You've heard Job's story, you've seen God's purpose. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And I I love these two words. I love these two words James picked to talk about God compassionate 
and merciful. Here's why I love these words. Uh, That word for compassion right there is, is not the normal word for compassion in the New Testament. It is the only time in the whole New Testament that specific word is used, is right here. Uh, James adds like a prefix to the normal word compassion, like super compassion, abundant compassionate, hyper compassionate, right? It's another reason you know James is a pastor. He's getting to the end of his sermon. He starts making up words, right? Uh, he, he, he says God, God isn't just compassionate. He, he is abundantly compassionate. The normal word for compassionate isn't going to cut it here. God is abundantly compassionate for you. The second word that he chooses is merciful. Same thing. This is not the normal word for mercy in the New Testament. This word occurs only two other times, and they're both in Luke's gospel, and it's a word that implies tenderness. Uh, God isn't just merciful toward you. He is tenderly merciful toward you. Uh, The normal word for mercy isn't going to cut it here. God isn't just compassionate, he isn't just merciful, he is abundantly compassionate, and he is tenderly merciful. This is the God we're waiting for. He is good to his core. This is what James wants us to see. That God's good purposes for his people are untainted by their circumstances. Your circumstances do not have the capacity to tarnish God's love and character toward you. Whether it's Job, Moses, David, Joseph, or you, God calls his people to patience in their trials because he wants to acquaint you all the more with how good he is. This is why, second point, this is why patience is a privilege. When God says wait, patience is a privilege because it acquaints us with the character of God. When God says wait, patience is a privilege. Uh, when, When you are in a season of waiting on God, day after week, after month, after year, day in, day out, patiently waiting on him, God is impressing his character on you. Patience is the means for your knowledge about God to become your experience of God. It solidifies in your heart in a living way that God is exactly who he says he is. So your wasting is never, your waiting is never wasted in God's economy. Every prayer, every earnest plea, each succeeding moment of waiting is all used by God. All of it, your life, Your circumstance is not a footnote to him. He is writing your story and you're getting more of him in it all. When God says wait, patience is a priority. Uh, When God says wait, we don't say how long. This is not a I say jump, you say how high situation. When God says wait, we say, I trust you. Help me wait patiently. I trust you. Help me wait patiently. Because here's the big point. Patience is a priority and a privilege when God says wait. Patience is a priority and patience is a privilege when God says wait.
Patience, by the way, is not passivity. Don't let anyone tell you that being patient is passive. Sometimes it takes everything in you, warring against your flesh, to sit still and be patient and wait on God. Because patience is the active acceptance of God's timing. Patience is you actively choosing to accept God's timing. I know some of y'all probably like to listen to your podcasts and your audiobooks on two speed or 1.5 speed, right? You like things quick. Some of y'all are in a season right now, you wish God's plan would be on two speed. You wish it was going a little faster than it is. But patience is the active faith that day by day it gets us out of bed. And we brush our teeth and we water our our grass and we wait. Because like the farmer, after you've done everything you can, all that's left to do is wait. To paraphrase Paul in 1 Corinthians, you can plant and you can water but only God can give the growth. There comes a point where all you can do is wait. So sisters and brothers, your God sees you. Sisters and brothers, your God loves you. Sisters and brothers, your God is working on you while you are waiting for him. Patience is a priority and a privilege when God says wait. Because it's been said that the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We praise you. We thank you for your abundant compassion and your tender mercy in our lives. Thank you that for everyone in here, God, you are involved in our story. You are involved in our life. You care and we're seen by you. I pray, Lord, you would cultivate patience in us. God, would we control what we can, but what we can't, God, would we quickly name and hold that open before you and trust you and wait on you? I pray specifically just for a brother or sister in here who they feel like this word is for them right now. Spirit, would you bless them? Remind them that they're seen and that they can trust you. Lord, we love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.